We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We have a really fun one here for you on a Tuesday, talking a little transfer portal class for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the 2023 class. We're especially going to dive into the players, obviously, in the class, the impact they can have, and really kind of come full circle and talk a little bit about, is Notre Dame doing enough in the transfer portal, in its new transfer portal era? It's going to be a fun show. Ryan Roberts, Brian Driscoll, of course, the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, joining you live here. Make sure to hit that like button and subscribe to the podcast before we get going here. Brian, a lot to talk about today, man. Yeah. But there's yeah. a really fun way to start this conversation, though. Because Well, talk I mean, I thought, why not just have one of the transfers join the show and kind of talk about the process? Because, like, what what is the point of all this, right? It's about... It's about acquisition of talent, but it's also about acquisition of fits and people that are going to make your program better in a lot of different ways. Yes. And Notre Dame especially has to really consider that, you know, when, when you look at the way that that, that they're, they have to engage the transfer process, because you, you cannot ignore any method that can add talent and, and quality people to your program. You have to explore all of them. And so what we'll discuss today is obviously is Notre Dame engaging it properly, but then also point to the players that are there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So Ryan, when you look at Notre Dame's ability to impact the transfer portal, obviously Notre Dame was a, I mean, you look at the transfers they had last year, obviously there were some guys that were somewhat impactful. I think Chris Smith was a great addition on the portal. Not sure we we would have thought that when he first signed. Like, ah, nice depth player. Sure. Ended up being a very important depth player for Notre Dame last year. Brandon Joseph obviously came in from Northwestern. Yeah, John Sott did a great job as the punter and uh, Blake Groupie as the kicker. But they, they didn't really have a ton of numbers and impact in the portal. And this year they, they, they hit it a little bit harder this year, Ryan. And that's kind of going to be the focus of today's show is just sort of the impact that Notre Dame was ha- was able to have in the, in the transfer portal. And, and I think when we, when we kind of, um, when we kind of look at it, Ryan, it, it, it really comes down to Notre Dame has to engage the portal. Yep. The question, however, is how. And so I want to evaluate today how they engaged it so far for this year. And then we'll dive into what do they need to do differently moving forward, if anything. And we'll dive into that part second. But I'll say this. This transfer class is not getting a lot of national attention. You go to all the sites that rank transfer classes, and Notre Dame's not going to be in there for two reasons. Number one, numbers. I mean, there's teams, Ryan, that have close to – I mean, Colorado's got like – what 30 close to 30 tra- incoming transfers because they, they need to <laughs> right they, yeah. and, and there's other teams that are just bringing in a mess of transfers usc yeah. brings in a ton so there's going to be that too and then the other part is i do think some of the guys that Notre Dame landed are being very undervalued and, and and not really being recognized for the impact that i think they're going to bring but just big picture ryan i think this transfer class is going to be very impactful for notre dame yeah. and i'm not just talking about the quarterback yeah, I mean, because I think you have to pick your spots with it, right, Brian? I mean, we've talked about Notre Dame is always going to be a team and should always be a team that is still building their roster internally through the high school level. I mean, you think about this, if we're going to compare it to like an NFL draft sphere of like NFL, you're going to build through the draft comparative to consistently building through free agency every single year. That's kind of how I would kind of quantify this. So I think Notre Dame, with that mission in, in mind, you still can't become an absolute team where you say, I'm only building through the the high school ranks and I'm never going to touch the transfer portal because in this world that is so volatile now, I mean, we, we just saw a couple weeks span where Notre Dame loses Logan Diggs. They lose Lorenzo Styles, They lose Tyler Buckner. All, roster construction can be so volatile nowadays with guys leaving so abruptly and so quickly with the transfer portal. You have to be able to bring some players in that bring a level of experience and bring a level of. We also about the high floor players on the from the high school perspective, but there's you. What's a higher floor than a guy that's literally right. been in a weight program in college football, has been through right. the ringer, has played college football, has starts under their belt. I think that Notre Dame has to balance. They're still a high school driven team, but you have to bring in some impact guys in certain spots every single year because there's just. 
There's no team that is going to be fully untouched from attrition of the transfer portal. You're going to lose guys every single year. And I think the best way to minimize the losses is to be able to bring in some guys that have experience playing on the college level. So I think that you have to be able to touch both markets, in my opinion. So obviously, the, when when you talk about Notre Dame, the transfer portal, it begins with Sam Hartman, yes. right? I mean, that's where we have to begin because that was clearly the most impact transfer uh, pickup that we've seen. And and I think we'll, 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 when you when you look at Notre Dame's excitement for the team this year that that a lot of Notre Dame fans have, I know that we certainly have. It really it has a lot to do with Sam Hartman because we have said for years the one thing holding Notre Dame back has been quarterback play for the most part. Now there's, there's yep. been a couple of years where quarterback play was pretty good and the defense let him down. 2015 is something that pops into my head, for example. And, and so uh, is the, as the, I say the biggest example, you know, where the offense was good enough in a lot of ways, but the reality is, is the defense wasn't good enough, but for the most part, quarterback play has just not been good enough for Notre Dame to be a, a true title contender. Even when it was good enough to get them to the playoff, it, they were so outmatched at the quarterback position when they got to the playoff. And it wasn't the only one, but it was the most glaring one sure. that you needed a quarterback that could get to that level. And, and at worst, I've seen one site I've seen ranked Sam Hartman as the number two transfer. One site ranked him number two behind Shador Sanders. One site I saw ranked him number two behind, I think, Devin Leary. And then everyone else that I've seen has him as the number one transfer portal quarterback in, in the in the in, that was in the market this year. So it was a huge, huge pickup for Notre Dame to get a guy like Sam Hartman and throw him into the mix. And, and he went out and won the job and won the job. I mean, unsurprisingly, but yeah. uh, I thought Tyler Buckner played very well this spring. So it's not like he just walked in and everybody else stunk and quarterback play was terrible and he won it with ease. He had to earn it. And I think that's something that in the end of the day is is going to make him I mean Ryan you see it right I mean you see it in the interactions on the videos that Notre Dame is putting out and his interactions with like Cam Hart and the guys that are out in California doing what they're doing out in California right now with that with that organization out there you see it in the videos they put out after he scores that winning touchdown in the scrimmage before the the blue gold game yeah you can see how his teammates react to him on the sideline at the blue gold game we saw it live you could see it on tv I think him having to come in and battle and win that job is something that on top of just his normal personality, something that I think really ingratiated him with his teammates and has allowed him to make a much smoother transition. Cause to me, that's always the biggest, I'm not concerned about a veteran quarterback learning the offense at all. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not worried about him getting on the same page with his teammates. Cause that'll happen by the time we get to the season, they'll have winter workouts, spring, summer workouts, fall camp, you know, Sam Hartman's had 15 practices of 40, you know, and that doesn't even include summer workouts. The biggest concern is, does he adopt, does he adapt to the team? Does he, does he get the buy-in from the players that you get from a quarterback that's been through the battles for years with the team? Right. That to me is the biggest question. And that's the thing that, that I wasn't sure of with Sam Hartman, because you never really know but that as you watch and you hear and you see the engagement that he has with his teammates, you say, okay, the buy-in for Sam Hartman is there, but the buy-in into Sam Hartman from the players is also there. And it's what we see, and it's what I hear from a lot of different sources, that the players embraced him quickly because of the way he came in and because of the way he conducted himself. Not like, I'm freaking Sam Hartman, I'm 19th all-time in passing recognize you know it wasn't like that at all it's like hey i'm here to i'm here to work and i'm here to help uh, you know help us win a championship 
and the players took to him, including the other quarterbacks, took to him really quickly. And that is huge, in my opinion. I don't think the fan base talks about that enough, though, Brian, in my opinion, right? All they care about for most part, and this is a generalization. This isn't every Notre Dame fan. This isn't every college football fan in general. But a lot of fans care just about what happens on Saturdays. Sure. And I completely get that. Completely yeah. get it. But in order to get to Saturdays, your quarterback needs to be the face of your team. We've talked about this before. Whether a quarterback is ready or they aren't, whether they're a first-year player or a sixth-year senior, if if they aren't prepared and accepted to be that guy, then you have problems in the locker room. You do yeah. because there is no – a quarterback, first-year starter, fourth-year starter, whatever, they are the absolute leader of a football team. To call it what you want, right? A true freshman who has to be pressed in the starting position as a quarterback is a leader of a football team. A six-year senior who is a starting quarterback of a football team is the leader of your football team, whether you are ready for it or you aren't. And some guys – struggle with that and especially guys struggle with that because we know well Antonio Carter that we just had on the show he could have two years to develop those relationships with the team Sam Hartman has one year he's done that's it yeah you got one season to make your mark with this team you have one off season to make this team believe in you that is a fact so having that smaller window of getting the approval becoming that leader in a short amount of time that could be tough man it can because yeah. like you said right like let's call it we see this with high schoolers sometimes go to the college ranks it's a basically a reset man it yeah. doesn't matter what you did at wake forest anymore it's awesome that what you did and you left a legacy there but at notre dame you have thrown for zero yards and zero touchdowns those kids those kids don't care as much about what you did at wake forest we do because right. i think that that tells what type of player that he is but when he is in the locker room he's just another guy He's a right. part of the team. And when that when you kind of wipe clean the slate and the resume and all the great things behind Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, the person, has to be accepted by this Notre Dame football team. And it seems like he has because he went out yeah. there day in and day out, and it looks like he won over the team, and he clearly won the starting job. There's no question about that. So Sam Hartman's not the only transfer that's going to have an impact on this football team. And I think that's the important piece to this. And, and I think we'll ask a question at the end, but there, there was a need for secondary help yeah, and they got it. And the need at safety with Antonio Carter was obvious. They needed a, a body and a body that can play. And they got one. They got a kid that can play. And whether it's as a rotational guy, whether he wins a starting job this year, next year, whatever, they got a kid that can play. We'll find out how quickly he can make the transition from the FCS level to the Power 5 level. I think he'll make it fine. We've seen kids like him. We saw the Wells kid at South Carolina make a fast transition. We saw Jared Verse make a very fast transition. If you can play, you can play. Yes. And you'll have all summer and all fall camp to get caught up to the speed of the game. And so that part will be there if he's got the tools and we'll find out if he does, I think he does on film, but you know, we'll, we'll find out for sure once he puts the pads on. And so obviously that was important. That was a need from a number standpoint. Yep. Then there is, okay, we have people here, but we would like to upgrade the talent here. And that's where Thomas Harper comes into play because you'd mentioned that, you know, the, the aspect of, of Sam Hartman being able to win over the locker room is not something that gets enough discussion. I'll tell you a guy that doesn't get enough discussion is Thomas Harper. Yeah. This was to me behind Sam Hartman, the biggest pickup that Notre Dame made in the portal this off season so far, in my opinion, because you Tariq Bracey was so important 
to the Notre Dame defense last year as the nickel. Yep. And and I don't know if we talk enough about how important Tariq Bracey was to the Notre Dame defense last year as that nickel. Going into this season with the schedule the way that it is, with USC being a, a, a spread it out and pass happy team, with uh, Ohio State being a team that likes to throw it a ton, with Stanford now being a team that's going to spread the field and, and go tempo and move the ball over the field, Clemson's going to now adopt a lot of those 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 sort of those air raid principles that his Garrett Riley's brother in, in implements. Now they they have their own personalities and their own likes and dislikes as coaches, but they come from the same family tree, so to speak, literally and figuratively, right from a football standpoint. And so you look at all the different aspects of of this, and you've got to be able to line up as a nickel as your base defense. They were able to do that last year with the exception of the USC game because they didn't have Cam Hart or Tariq Bracey, and it yeah. cost them. We saw that. It cost them. Thomas Harper being able to come in, and when I first heard about him, I was like, okay, I don't know a lot about him. Open mind, looked at the numbers, good numbers at, at Oklahoma State. And is actually his – his uh, despite playing in a league that throws the ball a lot, Ryan, if you look at his numbers, his, his target numbers and his overall production with what – pro football focus looks at uh, was actually better than what Tariq Bracey had last year. Right. And so I'm going to, I'm going to pull those numbers up. So for example, last year, Tariq Bracey, who again, you know, I thought was a heck of a player for Notre Dame last year. Uh, you look at um, you look at his numbers last season, Ryan, and he was targeted 53 times for 36, allowed 36 catches, 381 yards. Uh, and and allowed five touchdowns and, and one interception. One of the touchdowns he allowed was in the South Carolina game. Uh, he allowed three against North Carolina. I don't necessarily buy that. I think one of those touchdowns was not on him. And another one was just a phenomenal throw and catch by the quarterback at uh, uh, Drake May and then Josh Downs. You remember that fourth down, yes. that little fade they ran on that fourth down yep, great against catch. him? It was a great catch, great throw. I thought Tariq did some really nice things for them last year. Uh, then you look at what Thomas Harper did for Oklahoma State last year in a league that throws the ball quite a bit. It's not like it used to be, but still throws the ball quite a bit. Um, last season at, at uh, Oklahoma State, Thomas Harper was targeted uh, 32 times, allowed 19, complete, 19 completions, and gave up 185 yards in seven games. And his completion percentage was about about eight, almost eight points lower than Tariq Bracey's, sixty-seven point nine to fifty-nine point four. Uh, Tariq gave up nine point, uh, excuse me, ten point, uh, ten point six yards per attempt, yards per catch, and uh, Thomas only gave up nine point seven yards per yeah. catch, and was a pretty sound tackler for them this past season as well. And what those numbers show is there was a lot of balls just caught right in front of him. And he only gave up one touchdown all season. That was against Kansas State in the last game that he played, uh, playing with a shoulder injury. And so you look at the numbers, Ryan, and the numbers are are pretty impressive, in my opinion, when you look when you when you look at the production, lack of production allowed. The NFL rating that Tariq allowed was 112.2, which isn't great. Thomas Harper's was 73.0. And so, and then the year before, as the nickel, he allowed twelve catches on eighteen on eighteen targets in twenty twenty one, but he only allowed seventy yards. So it's like a bunch of now screens and bubble screens and hitches that he was driving on and tackling right away. And so I think that's a big part of it too. Is his tackling prowess to me is is really impressive. His ability to tackle in space, 
uh, is something that I that that really stood out to me, and I think his ability to play in man coverage is something that really fits into this Notre Dame defense, and he does it in a in a bigger body than Tariq had as well. He's a guy that we don't talk enough about, Ryan. That if he's able to be healthy and make the transition, could have a huge impact on the Notre Dame defense. It could. And I mean, I, I think that those numbers are very important too, Brian, because I really hate pro football focus sometimes because I'm just like, why are we counting screens as catches let up by people? But like, that's another conversation. Right. for a If it's a no day. cover zone, it's a no right. cover zone. It shouldn't count. You know, if you're playing cover three and a guy and they complete a six yard hitch on you, that's not a yes. completion against me. You know, we're giving them exactly. that, whatever. Yeah, I'm with you yeah, on that, it's dude, a, for real. Or, or, yeah, or like a hitch on, like, cover four at the end of a football right. game. It's like, I, who cares about okay. that play? But, sure. yeah, anyway, so yeah. I'm uh, with Harper, you. he's a really interesting player, too, Brian, because, one, it fills a need at nickel that you don't have a clear answer for at this time, right? Like, you have a couple guys in Clarence Lewis that could that has played some nickel, right? You have maybe a Jade Mickey who could play nickel in a pinch if you needed him to, but you don't have a guy that you're comfortable right now saying like that's a high impact nickel cornerback. It's more of just a couple guys that can play nickel if you need them to play nickel. So not only do you get a clear answer at the nickel spot, I think you also strengthen a couple spots with with him being there, right? Like he's not a player that is forced to play safety anymore with Antonio Carter there, which we'll talk about, right? But now you strengthen the safety position because you don't have to move a body into the nickel as much. You strengthen the quarterback position because now you could say, hey, Clarence, you could play corner or you can move him to safety. Ryan Barnes, you could focus more on outside or maybe move to safety eventually. Jaden Mickey, you're a full-time outside corner at this point, right? So you don't have to cross-train as much. So that strengthens the corners around you strengthens the safeties around you. And more than anything, you get a guy that is going to be a clear starting nickel for you in your sub. And you need that player because Tariq Bracey does leave a big hole that we haven't talked about enough this offseason. He was a very, I mean, when Notre Dame played its best defense last year, you look at what Tariq Bracey was able to do working in the slot against guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Josh Downs to a degree, working in the BYU game where he was playing outside to begin that football game. Very impactful football player. And I think that's what you're going to get from Thomas Harper this year is that there shouldn't be much of any of a drop-off in a position that in today's era of college and NFL, the nickel position has become base defense at this point. Mm-hmm. It has. We haven't seen Notre Dame quite get there yet, but it's going there. It's all. Right. It's going to get there unless there's a trend that completely flips the script. So it's a right. position that you needed, and it's a position – that helps strengthen other spots, in my opinion, around it. I think it, it, it you, you set a part right there, Ryan, that I think is important when you look at this transfer class. What's important about this transfer class is it doesn't just impact them and their spots. For example, one of the biggest positives to getting Antonio Carter is the opportunity to just leave Thomas Harper in the slot. You were going to be for if you couldn't get a legit transfer safety like Car- Antonio Carter, you're going to f- you're going to be forced to cross train Thomas Harper more than maybe you wanted to. You had to. You were going to have no choice. Otherwise, you're going to be forced to play freshmen who are both coming off injuries. I think that's important. But then the same thing with Thomas Harper. One of the breakouts that I thought we saw for Notre Dame when we saw it in the scrimmages, we saw it or the practices, we saw it in the blue gold game, and not just with the overthrow, I mean, the interception on the underthrown ball, but I thought his coverage all game, his tackling all game was good, was Jaden Mickey. 
one of the reasons that Jaden Mickey was able to have a breakout is because they didn't have to train him in the slot this spring. Because now, look, Thomas Harper wasn't in seven on sevens anywhere. He wasn't in the team stuff and he wasn't in tackling because he's still coming back for the shoulder injury, but he was doing one on ones. He was out there going through drills. He was learning the defense. He just wasn't getting contact in the defense. So you know he's going to be there. And then, of course, you've got now the depth there of Clarence Lewis and Ryan Barnes. You kind of were going to have to maybe play Jaden Mickey a little bit there if you weren't able to, or Chance Tucker there, if you weren't able to get a Thomas Harper. So not only does Thomas Harper impact the nickel position, but it now impacts you don't have to worry about cross-training Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray and some of those younger players because you have that veteran player there. And now, because my my concern with Jaden was, I don't know that he's ready to cross train just yet. Right. I want him young. to really master corner first. Right. Then maybe next year he can cross train if the need is there. So like, let's just say next year in the spring, you know, Benjamin Morrison's still a dude. Cam Hart goes to the NFL, but chance Tucker and Christian gray and Micah bell just have phenomenal off seasons. You've yep. still got a question mark at nickel and you say, you know, Jaden's Jaden can start for us. Christian gray can start for us or chance Tucker can start for us. Well, we're going to be a team in 2024, looking at it from the coach's standpoint, that is still going to be a, a heavy nickel defense. Yes. Well, let's get Jaden, who's a physical player. He's now got two years in the weight room under his belt. You know what? Let's put him in the slot now because we know he's got cornered down now. Or you could do it with like a Chance Tucker. Hey, we know Chance has cornered down now. Let's put him in the slot. And this allows them to get cornered down. That's the key. And I think it's going to be great for Jaden Mickey in his career that he gets to stay a corner and only corner and focus on corner, at least for now. And and that doesn't happen if Thomas Harper, to me, doesn't pick Notre Dame. It doesn't happen. It could it, it, it ultimately may have had to happen if 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 Antonio Carter doesn't pick Notre Dame. But the sure. two of them together now allows you to say, okay, I don't need to worry about cross-training Christian Gray. I don't need to worry about cross-training Chance Tucker. I don't need to worry about cross-training Jaden Mickey. I can let them continue to master those corner positions. And I think that's going to have an impact on top of the on-the-field impact that they're going to bring to the table. Well, and I think both of those players, talking about Carter and on Harper, is that they both have versatility to them, right, Brian? I mean, we talked about that in the – Antonio Carter interview, and I know I talked to Antonio about this on the phone, is that Wisconsin wanted him as a pure outside corner. Iowa wanted him as a pure outside corner. Notre Dame wants him as a safety and could do other things in the secondary. Ole Miss wanted him as almost a pure nickel type, like almost like a big nickel type of situation. So there is clearly versatility for a player that is 6'1", 200 pounds, very good tackler, has ball production in the secondary. And then Thomas Harper is a player that – while mostly a nickel, he has played some safety in his career at Oklahoma State. So I, I much rather, because I know people love, like I, I think from the recruiting side of things, from the high school route, it's like, oh, awesome, versatility. Like Ben, ben Minnick is a guy that I eventually I'm just like, that kid I think could be a safety, but could also play some nickel. He can come down, play some man coverage, do all that type of stuff, right? But as a freshman, I don't want him doing that. You know who I want doing mm-hmm. that? Fifth-year senior. <laughs> Fifth-year senior Antonio Carter. That's who right. I want to in that. Fifth-year senior right. Thomas Harper. That's the guys that I want to be versatile guys because they have literally done it on the college level. For the younger players, and you mentioned Jane Mickey. He's another example in this conversation, in my opinion, is that I want him to learn to be really good at one thing. And then when he's really good at one thing, 
Then you put something new on his table, on his plates. That is how development happens. That's how versatility is brought out in players. So I think that bringing in those couple guys is also a big boost in versatility, man. Like there's opportunities to get both those guys on the field in multiple spots at time during a football game as well. So I just think that the versatility of the secondary is also going to be one where it's a little more flexible than it was even last year. Because Thomas Harper, as a safety Let's say you're running some umbrella coverage, for instance, right? And you want to rotate him back to some, you know, working from depth a little bit. You can do that stuff now. But with Tariq Bracey, I don't want to do that with Tariq. Tariq's a pure slot guy. Like, he's going to play in the slot. That's that's what he's going to do for you at Notre Dame. He's going to play outside at times when you need him to. I think the versatility aspect is another area that has really improved on this football team in the secondary. How great is it going to be is a question that remains unanswered. Right. But I, if nothing else, I think versatility has taken a big jump from last season for Notre Dame, in my opinion, in the secondary. I think what the transfers have done, Ryan, more than anything, is it is it is raised the odds that the secondary doesn't take a step back. The very least, it's going to be as good as it was last year. And it was pretty good last year. I mean, it it wasn't great across the board. The safety play wasn't great, but the safety play wasn't bad. They just don't make a lot of plays. But you know what the safeties did not do last year? Give up a lot of bad plays. And that matters. But they they in order to beat the beat USC, Xavier Watts needs to intercept that pass instead of just breaking it up off the hash, right? And those are the things you need to see more of. I think he brings that to the table. We started to see flashes of that late last year. I expect Xavier to take another jump. But there wasn't a lot of other playmaking production. I don't need the nickel to be a playmaker as far as like, a bunch of breakups. It's just not the nature of that position, Ryan, but you need your safeties to be more playmakers and they didn't have that last year. So that's going to be the question mark about can the can the secondary take a jump? Two things are going to factor into that. Number one, obviously, or three, number one is general good health. That's always important. Sure. Number two, can Cam Hart build on the way he ended last season? If Cam Hart can pick up where he left off last season He's going to be really good, and I hope he sees all the 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 evaluations of him from him, and I hope he uses it as fuel. Because yeah. did you see the new thing from on three where they they grade oh, the, the players D-Rose or whatever? Is it no, like no, a, no. Th- now? That like well, there's two things that was from Pro Football Focus. Gotcha. So on three has this new thing where they they have next to on a player's card next to his uh, as a recruit, but they also grade you like as a player. And okay. so, like, they they went through, apparently, according to Pro Football Focus, or excuse me, according to On3, North Carolina has more, and, and, and Miami has three times as more four-star players on their rosters Notre Dame does. Notre Dame has five, four- and five-star players on the roster. That's it. Everybody else is a three-star on their roster for Notre Dame. Okay. This is according to Pro Football. Or oh, on they're, so they're, they're grading their current value. They're grading players. Yeah. So, like, Joe Waltz, yeah. like, the number nine player in the country. Got it. Okay. Uh, and Benjamin Morrison's like 29th. They did have two five stars. So two five stars and three, uh, three, uh, three, four stars. That's it. Just those okay. guys. Everybody else was a three star. And so uh, when you look at Cam Hart, they graded Cam Hart like very unfavorably on, on, on that, which I just found really, really fascinating. And, and so I'm, and then you read the pro football focus where they called him a, um, a complimentary player. Yeah, you said that one. Tell me you don't watch Notre Dame without telling me you don't watch Notre Dame, right? Like, how how are you going to – like, do you ever ask yourselves, why did Benjamin Morrison have so many interceptions late in the season? Do you ever ask yourself this question? 
because they weren't throwing. I'm saying that rhetorically to you. I'm talking to the (laughs) outsiders. It's because teams kept throwing at him. Do you know why they kept throwing at him? Because the alternative was Cam Hart and throwing the guys who were covered. You know, and so it is it is fascinating when you when you see that. I hope he takes that disrespect and and use it to fuel him. But the third thing, before I get too far off my off track, the third thing is going to be can the safeties become more productive on the ball? Sure. That's going to be a key. You have to force more incompletions. That's going to be a big part of Notre Dame's defensive strategy this year, Ryan. And it 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 is something that that you know when I when I look at this football team and I and I look at kind of the last couple years, I you know they were the the playoff year they were at fifty six point nine the twenty eighteen playoff team in twenty nineteen they were at fifty four point three completion percentage. Uh, 58 in the 2020 season. And then they jumped up to 60.8 the year before, but they did have 15 interceptions compared to just 13 touchdowns allowed. Last year, they they went down a little bit, but 58.7 is still a little higher than I would like it to be. But they gave up 20 touchdown passes and and, ha- and only had 10 interceptions. That That's not good. That, that's not where you want to be. And in some of the bigger games you had last year, you allowed quarterbacks to complete passes at a very high level. CJ or uh, Caleb Williams completed 18 of 22 passes, way too high. Uh, CJ Stroud didn't complete a lot of passes down the field. He was only 6.6 yards per attempt, but he went, he completed 70.6% of his passes. And Marshall's quarterback completed 16 of 21 for 76.2%. And Stanford's quarterback completed 26 of 39 passes for a 66.7 completion percentage. Uh, which was one of his better outlet out, uh, outputs of the season. And so when you when you look at that and you say the two games before that game, Stanford completed 58.8 and 57.9 and the two the the really the next five games after that, they went 56.9, 48.4, 59.5, 48% against Utah. It wasn't until Cal second to last game of the year that they completed over 60% again. Notre Dame 66.7, third highest third best output they had all season behind Colgate and BYU. Oh, so um, I'm toothpaste, man. Yeah, not really where you want to be. And (laughs) and so they've got to force more incompletions. And and a big part of that comes from the safety position, because if you actually look at what I had just said to you, the that the Notre Dame, uh, the Notre Dame defense as a whole uh, allowed over almost 50 uh, was a 58.7 percent completion rate. If you look at if you look at the the pro football focus numbers, right, Ryan? And I know that, yeah. that we don't necessarily love those. They allow they they have learning down to 63, 63.6% allowed because of what you said. They they count, you know, there's just it's just it's just a weird we we I don't know how they could allow it, you know, where it's it's whatever. But here's what they have. They Benjamin Morrison only allowed 43.1% completions. Yeah. Cam Hart only allowed 50%. For context, Julian Love was well over 50% during his All-American year. So your two starting cornerbacks allowed well under 50% completion rate. That's very good. Here's the problem. The linebackers gave up a very high percentage, but Ramon Henderson was 81.8. DJ Brown was 68.2. Clarence Lewis is 66.7. Brandon Joseph was 64. You know, the one guy that held opponents to under 50% completion percent at safety? It's rhetorical because the only guy left, Xavier Watts. He was at 46.7. They only completed 8 of 17 on him. And so you hope that this young man, Antonio Carter, can come in and and provide an improvement there. Thomas Harper was eight points better than what Tariq Bracey was last year, according to Pro Football Focus. If he can carry that into Notre Dame, 
and then all of a sudden you start getting a little bit more production from the safety position, now all of a sudden teams are less efficient throwing the football. And that's huge. That helps your run game. That helps your pass game. It helps all of it. So those are the three keys, Ryan. And I believe that the transfers are going to have potentially have a big role in that because here's the deal. If Antonio Carter is who we hope he is, the only way that you can justify not playing him more than Ramon Henderson and DJ Brown is if those guys play better than they did last year. Yes. And that's going to be the important part of it. And that's what you start, you start getting a little bit fired up about is the only way that Clarence Lewis is going to justify playing as many snaps as he did last year is if he plays better. And so all of it factors in because you have the numbers now. Clarence Lewis doesn't have to play now. Uh, You don't have to play all four of your safeties now. You don't have to play a lot of the guys that struggled last year. If they're going to play again, it's because they've improved, or at least it better be because they've improved. And that's where you start getting a little bit fired up about what the secondary can be, in my opinion, Ryan. Well, I, I think that the 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 two safety spots and then the nickel cornerback spot for me, Brian, they're going to be put into some a lot of really good situations because what does having two potential lockdown corners do for you? It's the fact that you now have to obviously attack the middle of the field more, which in theory is not always a great idea because there's more people in the middle of the field, right? There's more football players in the middle field naturally. And also – they're going to get forced to secondary parts of their progressions. They're not going to be just some, you know, quick speed outs, quick hitches, like just stuff that's going to be three-step drop outs, one step out of the shotgun outs, get the ball out quick. They're going to get forced into what's your second read, third read, trying to get attack the middle of the field. All those things can be very, I, I want to call it, it's, there's a lot of opportunity. So our opportunistic is what I can call the middle of the defense for Notre Dame this year. They weren't as opportunistic as they needed to be in 2022. You mentioned the six pass breakups. That was one thing that we thought Brandon Joseph was going to bring to the team that he would have, you know, I mean, he had, what did he have? Nine interceptions the previous two years at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. You were kind of hoping yeah. that he would have been kind of a ball hawk in the middle of the defense to be able to, create some of those impact plays. Obviously he wasn't to a high degree. You only have one interception in for Notre Dame should have been a second against Syracuse. But again, that's a conversation for a different day, mm-hmm. but regardless is that the safeties and nickel spot in 2023 are going to get opportunities. They are because you know who they're not going to want to throw at freshman, all American Benjamin yeah. Morrison. And they're not going to want to throw at the guy that's six foot two and a half and probably going to run in the four fours in the 40 and is going to be the NFL yeah. next year. Like you're not going to throw right. at those guys. And if you aren't, if you are going to get opportunities, you have to take advantage of it. And Notre Dame safeties, and I think the middle of the defense just did not take as many, didn't take advantage of as many opportunities as they needed to in 2022. That needs to change in 2023 because where do interceptions happen? I mentioned middle of the field, but it's also the guys that have their eyes back to the line of scrimmage. There's going to be a lot of Mm -hmm. times where the safeties have their eyes back to the line of scrimmage and everybody else in front is in man coverage and they're going to be able to kind of stop the quick. The short to intermediate quick separation stuff. Guys like Antonio Carter, Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, DJ Brown, there needs to be an emphasis to create more impactful plays. Getting your hands on the football and forcing turnovers. That was an area that Notre Dame struggled with throughout most of the season last year. I mean, what was it like the first four or five games of the season? Notre Dame didn't force a single turnover, I think, Mm -hmm. the first four or five games last year. They didn't. Their first first turnover came against BYU. 
Yeah. I mean, the Tariq Bracey interception. I no. Uh, did, did they they forced a turnover, a forced fumble. They didn't get their first interception until the BYU game. Their first turnover yeah. was a fumble against North Carolina. I believe it was late in the game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but yeah. It, it took it was, a while. It was ugly. It took man. a while. And, and in this game, and in today's game, where it just seems like offenses are scoring at such a high level and they're trying to open the field and they're trying to create explosive plays at a high, uh, just an incredibly high rate. Limiting possessions is a big thing. It could be a really big thing because with how fast some of these teams go now, they're trying to get as many offensive possessions as often as, as possible. Cause what is more offensive possessions, the more opportunity to score. That's basic law of averages. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that eliminating some possessions and forcing turnovers is big with how the game is played today. And Notre Dame needs to benefit off of that more than they have in the past, especially last year. Absolutely. And tackling is a big part of that limiting possessions, Ryan, because it's when a guy catches a ball on third and four and you hit him at three yards make them stop at three yards, not, you know, or maybe like a third and six or third and seven and you stop them short. You got to stop them short. Yep. You're hitting a ball carrier at, you know, a yard behind the, the sticks, make sure he does not run you over or go forward and then miss tackles where a, you know, a, a third and five conversion of six yard gain turns into a 25 yard gain. Those are the well, things you, that this, you remember, this unit can remember- allow. Do you remember the playoff game last year between TCU oh, and yeah. Michigan with Quinton Johnson on that little drag? They had him stopped on third and whatever it was, and he mm-hmm. broke the tackle and he went for a touchdown, which was yep. a big moment in that football game. Like those those yep. moments matter, man. They really do. Yep. It's I, I agree that it's not always one play that determines a football game, right? It's a series of plays, but those plays are backbreakers, man. Yeah. They are, and that's we we literally saw that in one of the playoff games last year. Yeah. That's something that you're going to see too, Ryan. Is is if you look at like the playoff team in 2000 and, um, 2018, and you look at the uh, the yards after contact that year, they had 1,193 yards after contact that year. Um, on let me see here, 276 completions. This past year, they allowed 1,274 yards after contact. Right, so. It's it's more this year, so it's about seventy, about eighty-three more yards. They had two hundred thirty-one completions. That was forty-five fewer completions this year, but still gave up over seventy more yards after contact because these weren't as good tacklers, and that's a big part of it. And and also getting beat in space where they're catching and running; those are things you have to limit. And that's where I think Thomas Harper, who I felt was a quality – I mean, he's not hes not Antonio Carter as a tackler, but he's a good sound tackler in space. He's good in space uh, on film. You hope that those areas can really improve, and that's an area where they need to improve. And that's where I think this transfer class is going to have a much bigger impact than maybe we're talking about because rightfully so, we're spending a lot of our focus on Sam Hartman, understandably. We should, yeah. Uh, but that's an area where they could have an even bigger impact. Because imagine if Sam Hartman can play with a better defense than what Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner had last year. Not the defense was bad. The defense did not cost you the Stanford game. They held them to 16 points. That was on the offense. The defense gave up 19 points to Marshall. Heck, the defense only gave up 21 points to Ohio State. The defense isn't why you lost those games. I'm not saying that. I am saying, however – that if the defense can make some stops and force some turnovers and, and like the Ohio State game, okay, I don't blame the defense for that game. Defense, I thought, played their butts off. They didn't finish in the fourth quarter. But imagine if they could have maybe given the offense a short field when the right. offense is sputtering. 
or not allowed Ohio State to drive and get into field goal range and miss a field goal where then Notre Dame starts their drive way back in Ohio State territory, right? I mean, that's the thing that I'm talking about is, you know, give them a short, hey, we're struggling today. We need you to give us a short field. Well, guess what? That happened against Syracuse, and a sputtering offense was able to be part of a 40-something point outburst because they got short field. You had the pick six. And because, you know, the, the 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 pick six against Syracuse was in game, what, seven or eight last year, Ryan? Uh, let me look eight, it up. Right? It was four, five, six, seven. It was game eight. Yeah, that was that was the uh, that was Notre Dame's second interception of the season. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Game eight. Yeah. Now they did. Here's here's where I start to get a little optimistic. They had one interception in the first seven games. In the last six games, they had nine. Which is great. Yeah. So we can't ignore that. If we're going to talk about how bad it was, I mean, you can't ignore the fact that they had two against you in Syracuse, two against Clemson, one against Navy. And that was a great interception, by the way, by Clarence Lewis in that game. Do you remember that? They were trying to yes. run that crosser and he jumped it and undercut it. Three against Boston College and then one against South Carolina. Because they been another against Syracuse that was yes. wiped out too. Yes. Yeah. So that was right by uh by Brandon Joseph as well. That was the that best game. play of the season he made yeah. by it, baby. Oh, yeah. That was a great interception. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So and then you know, I think they didn't have one against Syracuse or against USC, but Xavier should have had one, in my opinion, in that game yeah. coming off the hash. So if you can continue that trend into this season, then all of a sudden, Ryan, you you, you know, you start talking about all right, that's gonna be a much more productive defense because if you have the same rate in the regular season next year that they had in the last six games this year, that's 18 interceptions in the regular season compared to nine this year. That helps the offense a ton. It does. And, and I think that's something that you look at and say that could have an impact. And I think these guys can have an impact on it, but here's somebody else that I think can have an impact on that. Notre Dame needs to get more pass rush from their field end position. That's what they call it now. So we're going to have to get used to some new names. Field end is what they now call the big end. X is what they now call the W. Z is what they call the X. And F is what they call the Z. So it's actually more in line with what normal football jargon is, to be honest with you, Um, offensively at least. But the field end, the big end, it just – it was a power play. It was a pure power player. And I and, and I thought Riley Mills was solid there for what they asked him to do. I believe, however, that to really have the kind of impact you need to have against the offenses that they're going to play, because this is what it's about, Ryan. It's about you got to build your defense to fit the teams you're actually going to play, not who you may want to be in your own head. And yep. I think that was a big reason why they pursued Javante Jean-Baptiste and why they pursued – because a lot of people say, well, you're going to play him a Viper, right? I'm like, no, field end. What does he really fit what you have had there? No, he doesn't, which is exactly the point. Yeah. You don't need a 290 pound big end against Ohio state. You don't need that against USC. You don't need, and I think you might need it a little bit more against Ohio state this year, but there's other things you can do. Cause I think Ohio state's going to be a more balanced team this year. I I just, I do. I think they're going to not rely on the quarterback as much as they did last year. At least if they're smart, they won't rely on the quarterback as much as they did last year. But you're so, but you're still going to be a nickel team. You're when you talk about playing USC, you're going to need more speed on the on the front. And and same thing with with Clemson and Stanford and a lot of the top teams that you're going to play. And and same thing when you get to the postseason, you can adjust to be big if you need to. If they're going in to play Michigan in the playoff, for example, they can easily bump Riley Mills outside and play him at big end on first and ten if they need to, right? Yeah. But the point is, you have to get more pass rush. 
from that spot. You have to, you have to, you have to, especially against the three teams that are going to determine whether or not you're a playoff team next year, Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. And Javante Jean-Baptiste, we got to see what he brings to the table as a run defender. That's a question mark for me because we just – we. He, he wasn't in those situations a ton. He was okay against the run at Ohio State. Not great, but what he definitely did last year and what he showed us this spring, Ryan, is that kid can get after the quarterback. That was a very un- another underrated addition for Notre Dame to this defense because they've got big – I mean, Nana can set the edge and play against the run, and they've got guys that can do that. They needed a kid that could a- get after the quarterback, and I think that this could end up being their best just pass rusher at, at field end in a number of years to be completely honest with you, Ryan, for what he brings on the table. I mean, if you go look at his sack, his, his pressure rates last year per snap, it's tremendous. Yeah. And it was higher. I believe if I remember correctly, didn't we look this up? It was higher, it was higher than what Will Anderson's Foskey. was in 2021. Yeah. And it was definitely higher than Isaiah Foskey the last two years. So that's an important, that's a very important piece to this as well, Ryan, that, that I, that I don't know if we're talking enough about part of it is because we didn't see him and Thomas Harper in the spring game. It's fair. So it's out of sight, out of mind. I, I get it. This isn't a criticism of, of, of our listeners. I get it. We haven't talked about him a lot either. Yep. You know, I mean, for the same reason. But I think the, this is what makes it very important. None of these guys are going to come in, in my opinion, be all Americans next year. I'm not asking uh, Javante Jean Baptiste to come in and be a 12 sack dude. I'm not asking that. I don't need him to do that. If he does it, great. But that's not what we're asking him to do. We're not asking Thomas Harper to come in and be the best nickel in America. And we're not asking Antonio Carter to come in and be the next Harrison Smith or Kyle Hamilton from 2020 version of Kyle Hamilton, but come in and and add, add a niche, add a trait. We don't have when you're looking at it from the Notre Dame standpoint. And that to me, I don't, I think nobody on, on this, on the defensive portal guys adds more to the game that they lack of that position than the Javante Jean Baptiste. As very a interesting. It's very interesting because, I mean, why do you want to upgrade the secondary from last year? It's because of the teams you're playing, right? Why do you want to upgrade the pass rush? Because of the teams that you're playing. One great quote that I heard, it was, I think it was a former general manager. It was a former scout. Someone asked them about, you know, setting goals before the season. And one thing he talked about was he used to design and construct his roster to win the division. Right, not to win Super Bowls, you have to win your division, and I think that you look at that same way in college football. Of like, we talk about playoff berths so much, right, Brian? We talk about winning championships. What do you have to do before you get there? You have to win your schedule, man. You got to win the schedule, and I think when you look at the schedule now with how it's formulated, USC with the North Carolinas of the world, with Robert and I obviously now at NC State, with Stanford and Trent and uh, Troy Taylor as their new head coach. There is going to be a lot of spread teams on the schedule for Notre Dame in 2023. And the way you counteract that is we talked about the secondary already. But you can't have a one-note pass rush or a under underwhelming pass rush against those types of teams. You are going to have to really pressure at a high rate because there are some good quarterbacks on the on the schedule for Notre Dame. There are some good offenses on the schedule for Notre Dame. You are going to have to press them and then force those mistakes. How do you create turnovers? Pressure, forcing mistakes. That's how you create turnovers as well. Talking about what the front is able to do. So Javante Jean-Baptiste, again, you at least need him to be productive. You need him to have 
And again, I, I think you said it perfectly. You don't have to be a 12 second, 12 sacks in 2023 guy, but if you can get to six and still keep a high win rate and still get a decent amount of pressures, that's what you need from Javante. Cause then you could say, okay, now we can mix and match the Nano Osapa Mensas, maybe moving Riley Mills outside at times. Maybe one of the young strong side field ends is able to get into the road, crack the rotation and get some, get some burn at some points then that's great. But Javante Jean-Baptiste is a kid that we have seen some production on the college level. Now he needs to see it on a higher volume, obviously, but you are going to need to, you know, forget the field end boundary end for a second. When you're in the fourth quarter against USC and they're trying to drive down and win the football game, the number one priority is going to be to get after Caleb Williams. That's the priority. And it's all hands on deck at that point and being able to get to him. So I think Javante Jean-Baptiste is a big part of this team. A bit, the, yeah. I think that strong side end, field ends, whatever you want to call it, they need to get impact out of that position. Not only just sacks, but tackle for loss numbers. You need to be more impactful. Right. And they just weren't that impactful in 2022. They were They were bad, but just not as impactful as you need to be. You're you're a part that we definitely don't talk about because they weren't even on campus this summer too. Is they did have another special teams impact on, on for them this year. Ben Krim, yeah. the punter from Penn, I believe was an all was an all um, Ivy. Ivy League guy last year. Spencer Sanders from South Florida had Schrader. some Schrader. Spark. Spencer Sanders is a you love kick, Spencer Sanders. Kick, <laughs> uh, it's also we had a kicker uh, on a team that I coached on whose name was Spencer Sanders. Gotcha. Spencer Saunders, excuse me, was his name actually. So that's why I keep jacking that one up. But he's a guy that's had some success as a place kicker. Uh, has also made some kicks in some some big venues. He went nine of thirteen last year. Uh, had a, I believe a fifty. Didn't he have a fifty? I think a fifty yard field goal against Florida last year. Yes, I, I believe. Yep. Uh, so you know, and he's a guy that uh, missed two of his first four and then made eight of his last nine as a field goal kicker. Uh, this past season and he was 11 of 13 the year before that so he's a he's a guy that's got you know very good production he's played for a long time so he's got he's got a lot of experience under his belt so you should be good there you just his leg is not quite as strong as Blake Groupies but from what I've seen he seems to have a pretty accurate leg and I think that to me is a little bit more important Blake Groupie could absolutely destroy the football which is shocking when you consider how small he is but you didn't know where it was going to go that was the only. That was the only concern. I, I I always loved when Blake Groupie was listed at 150 pounds. I'm yeah. like, there's no way that young man is 150 pounds. Yeah, but. He's a little dude, <laughs> but he has an incredibly powerful arm. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you you. I remember seeing him in spring practice. I think before this past season, and you you just heard the ball go off his foot, and you're just like, that's a little bit different than going off a of Harrison Leonard's foot, for instance. Yeah. Like it just sounds different. Yeah, absolutely. So there's going to be an impact there. And then there's a good special teams player that tra- is transferring in, and he's he's more of a, a special teams guy. So he's not going to be on scholarship. That's Cole Aubrey, who yep. I think like had about three and a half sacks, six tackles for loss, something like that at Princeton last year as, a, as sort of an edge rusher. Uh, he's not coming to their name to necessarily be that. He's coming to their name to be more of a special teams guy. So there will also be some special teams impact for Notre Dame and the transfer portal this year as well, Ryan. But overall, I, I look at this – like I'm excited about this football team this year, but if you took all the transfers away, I don't have the same level of excitement. And it's not just because of Hartman, a quarterback, because I I'm very high on Tyler Buckner as a player. And, and I would imagine that if, if they weren't going to bring in a transfer portal guy and they just said, Hey, Drew and Tyler, you guys are going to battle it out next year and all that kind of stuff. And Drew probably stays. And 
and they compete and all that other kind of good stuff. But, you know, to me, uh, it's more about just the entirety of it. It's, I don't know how I would feel about, you know, is the defense going to be better enough, better to go out there and and be that kind of team, you know, are they going to be able to improve in the secondary with the issues and numbers at safety? What's nickel looking like now? Is it Clarence Lewis? Is that the guy? I mean, is that who we're, who we're going to roll with? Okay. He did okay there at the end of the year, but it, it doesn't necessarily have me super, super fired up and those type of things. But, you know, man, I just, I would not. And then, you know, we talked about, and we didn't mention this when we were talking about it, but we were referring to the impact that certain players are having, not just on themselves, but around them. You'd have a much harder time justifying moving Riley Mills inside the three technique if you don't get Javante Jean-Baptiste. Much tougher sell, especially Alexander Ehrensberger walking away from from football to to go to medical school, which a decision I completely support. When I say walking away, it made it sound like there's – I don't mean that as a negative at all. I mean, the young man – is not an NFL football player. He has a chance to go to medical school. Bro, take it. You know what I mean? Like, but anyway, um, that's big as well because now you've I mean, I actually think the three technique is going to be better than it was last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. Jason Adamiola just did not take that step last year. And part of it, he played with some injuries and things like that, but he he did not, he did not he never just run, he just never took that leap from 2020. He just Never made that jump. You're going to have a bigger body there now. Riley's yep. taller, longer, thicker, more yes. powerful, and hopefully can be more productive. But you're going to be bigger inside. You'd, you'd have had a hard time justifying that move, Ryan, if Javante Jean-Baptiste doesn't come. And I think that's yep. a big part of this transfer portal stuff too is, you know, Sam Hartman makes the receivers better. Yes. He makes the running game better. Javante Jean-Baptiste allows you to move Riley Mills inside, and now you're feeling really good about the inside of your defensive line, or at least the potential of the inside of your defensive line. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you don't have to think about moving Thomas Harper to safety anymore now. Exactly. Carter in the fold. And yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And with Thomas Harper, you don't have to worry about moving Chance Tucker or Jade Mickey yeah. inside to the slot. So there's a lot of impact in that regard, too, that I don't know if I'd be feeling the same way about this football team if not for the transfer portal. To be, sure. and, and even if even if they only got Sam Hartman, I'd say, okay, that's a great pickup. But I got some questions about the defense. Yeah. You know, and and um you know, I, 
I'm excited about what this transfer portal class brings to the table. There's a lot of value, in my opinion. I'll say this: they did not hit the portal with the with the um, the volume that a lot of teams do. They're more in line with what Bama and 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 especially Georgia and Ohio State are doing. Sure, Georgia and Ohio State are taking a very and this is we'll take the conversation here, Ryan. How should Notre Dame approach the portal? Should they look at it as just go out and get a bunch of guys and make sure, you know, you, or should it be strategic every year finding needs that we have? And then if there's the occasional impact player like a Sam Hartman, then you go get them. Or if a position is good, but not good enough, maybe we go out and get a guy. We add some depth. We find this is a hole. We have a hole. We think that there's a, transition between Tariq Bracey and whoever the next nickel is going to be, whether it's Micah Bell or Christian Gray or Jaden Mickey or Chance Tucker, whoever that's going to be, but we need the bridge. Thomas Harper's the bridge, you know, Javante Jean-Baptiste, you know, you, you think that there's a chance for you to have some really good big ends down the road, whether it's Aiden Gobira, maybe Tyson Ford can go back outside, whether it's your incoming freshman, Bubakar and Armel Mookum and Brennan Fernan, but you needed a bridge yep. and, and Javante gives you that bridge. And there's a lot of that in this class, Ryan, in this portal class. And so they are Notre Dame is choosing to go more of the Georgia Ohio State route when it comes to the portal. Now, those teams went to the portal as well, but it's not with the volume that you're seeing from some teams, uh, especially like the USC, for example. They're not hitting the portal with that kind of volume. They're being strategic. They're looking for ways that they can improve their football team and things along those lines. But I'm looking at Ohio State right now. Ohio State landed eight transfers. One of them, I believe, is a long snapper. Yes. One of them is a long snapper. Yeah. Especially more than I thought they did. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, they brought in one guy to be a backup quarterback, Tristan Gebbia. That's, I mean, that's, you know, the one of them is a long snapper. Um, they signed and and then they they signed a couple guys late because of struggles that they had in the spring on the offensive line. But they brought in Tywon Malone, Lorenzo Styles, Josh Simmons, Jihad Carter, which is a good pickup by the way. Davidson Inbenosen, in, in who's a good player from from Ole Miss, is originally from Jersey, and then Victor Cutler and Tristan Gebbia. So not a lot of volume there, especially when you consider some of those guys were brought in to simply be backups, right? Uh, then you look at what Georgia's doing, and and again, G- Georgia's a team that's losing a lot more transfers than they're than they're getting in. Georgia signed four transfers, including one today. They landed one today, uh, Laneth Whitehead, a running back from Tennessee. Huh? They landed Smoke Bowie, Ra Ra Thomas, who's from Mississippi State, and Dominic Lovett from Missouri. Four four kids, two a corner, a running back, two receivers, because they needed they had needs. They they have a they they brought in a really good freshman receiver class. Love Tyler Williams. He's one of my favorite receivers in the twenty twenty three class. But there needed to be a bridge, especially yes. after they lost the other kid to uh, um, to Texas, right? And so oh, uh, Mitchell. Mitchell, right? Yeah. And and so you needed a bridge, and they went out and got a bridge. They got good football players, but it's not volume. They're choosing to still go the route of high school development. And at the end of the day, I know uh, there's going to be Notre Dame fans that don't agree with me on this. But I actually believe the way that Notre Dame attacked the portal this offseason is absolutely the path. Bama, by the way, signed five. Five portal kids. So not much either. Yeah. Not much either. 
and and Clemson, I don't think did they get any. I don't, they don't even usually know. dip until yeah. much. <laughs> they got one. Paul Tyson, a backup quarterback. They brought a guy in to be a backup quarterback. Oh, Paul Tyson's still around, huh? Yeah, I know, right? No idea. <laughs> so you're you're seeing the top programs, in my opinion, especially those that have some stability, not going to the portal. Some teams had to. Like I, I don't fault Oklahoma for bringing in 15 transfers. I don't. Right. They needed to. You know, some they got punters and some you know non non guys like that, but they needed to rebuild their depth chart and rebuild their culture. I didn't even have a problem with USC doing it in year one, but the, I, I I still don't know and I still don't believe that the the true path to building a championship team is to bring in fifteen to twenty new kids every year in the portal. I don't sure. think that's the way to go. Uh, Michigan's another team, Ryan, that is embracing the portal but doing so in a much more targeted manner. Yes. Uh, Michigan brought in eight portal kids. One of them is a kicker, right? I mean, so uh, another's a backup quarterback that is meant to be a nothing but a backup quarterback in Jack Tuttle. So oh, they're not – yeah. So, again, the best teams in college football, in my opinion, the best programs are not going to the portal to remake their roster. Right. They're going to the portal to bridge to bridge gaps between younger players or to fill needs so they can keep the thing rolling, and I think that's the way to go. and And I I feel like that's what Notre Dame has to be. Notre Dame is just not going to be a team that's going to be able to remake their roster every single year with transfers. Right. And so why try? But I do feel like this offseason more than last year they really went into it with the mindset of we're going to be really targeted and really clear and specific about what we're going to look for as a player and as a person. That was huge. And one of the things that I was told uh, by a couple really good sources on this, that if they were adamant with all the quarterbacks up front, we're not talking NIL with you. Look, if you're the quarterback at Notre Dame, there's going to be an opportunities, but we're not getting into that because if you're going to come here, you're going to come here because we want to win a national championship. Sure. And some of the guys they reached out to, that didn't fly, and that told Notre Dame exactly what they needed to know about that guy. That guy's in the portal because he wants a payout. He ain't leading us to a championship. Right? Caleb Williams is going to get NIL money no matter where he went. He went to USC to play for Lincoln Riley and to do what they were going to do at USC. They need that. They need the right type of person. Because we saw them land an All-American last year that didn't come in, and 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 he wasn't about that life, that brotherhood. It was about what do I got to do for me. Right. And you could see it at the pro day. It was obvious at the pro day that that was the case, as well as what we saw in the field. So I think Notre Dame's – the way that they went about the portal this offseason is the blueprint for what it needs to be moving forward for Notre Dame. It's the blueprint that has worked at Georgia, who had what zero transfer starters last year, right? It's Probably. the it's the it's the blueprint that Ohio State is using. It's the blueprint that Michigan is using. It's the blueprint that Penn State is using. Penn State's another team that's not going out and, and bringing in a million transfers. I think the best teams are the teams that are still going to recruit and develop high school players, and then use the portal. Penn State had three portal additions this year that's the way to go for me is to bring in those is to be that way and I think this is the way that Notre Dame 
needs to go about it. I thought this is the absolute, if they can repeat this every offseason, Ryan, four to five kids, and we didn't even talk about Caleb Smith, who, you know, he came in and got yeah. beat out and, uh, you know, retired from football. But this is the way to go. Targeted. Getting the right type of character people that are also good football players, but filling needs and bridging gaps between where you are now and your young your young players. I think Notre Dame used it very wisely, very wisely. Well, I, I think that I think that the use of the transfer portal is a really nice indicator of program health, in my opinion. I mean, what what do all the programs that you just talked about have in common, Brian? They win every single year, right? They're competing for championships every single year, for playoff opportunities every single year. And they recruit at a high level for the most part. You know, Michigan hasn't recruited the best at the high school over the last couple of years, but this year they're recruiting at a much higher level from the high school route perspective. Those teams don't need to fill holes because you know why? Because they're building a really good program and players don't want to leave that much. <laughs> like that's kind of where it comes down to. The guys that have to recycle so often are the teams that can't hold on to players, that aren't winning consistently, that aren't promising what they're delivering what they're promising in the recruiting process like so i think the health of the football programs is really mirrored by what their activity in the portal can be and then also i think every uh, i think every team is is very different and for notre dame you can't pull from every player like some programs can right like Mm -hmm. colorado can all promise whatever they want to promise and they can bring in this former five-star, this first-year player, this fifth-year player, and everything in between. Notre Dame, for the most part, is going to be relegated to graduate transfers that are going to have one year of eligibility, most likely moving forward. Because now we're getting further and further away from 2020, where you get that free year, so you can have like two red shirts, basically. We're going to get more into the situation where the Antonio Carters of the world that are graduates but have two years of eligibility, that's going to become more and more of a rarity moving forward because we're going to start getting rid of that COVID year. Like that thing's going to be out of the door. We don't have to talk about that extra COVID year very soon. I think 2026 right. is when we don't have to talk about that anymore, right? Right. So so that's that's <laughs> going to – it's crazy, man. It is crazy, but like literally, like we're still going to – for a couple of years, we're going to be like that kid has a six-year of eligibility because he still has the COVID year. He was there in 2020, right? So – you look at that, and I say, moving forward with the with the limited pool that Notre Dame can pull from in just in general, the the graduate transfer players and the players that also aren't big NIL kids that want payouts. <clears throat> in that pool, I look at that and I say, Notre Dame has to be selective. If you're not selective, yeah. then you're well doing it wrong, in my opinion, because you just can't pull from the same pool as everybody else in general, and you're recruiting at a high level in the recruiting side yeah. of things. So I just, I don't think that it's, it doesn't make sense for Notre I think, Dame. I think they could, I think they could recruit a lot more because there's a lot of freshmen that they could go after. Those would be easier kids to get into school. They could bring in a lot. They could start rating the Ivy leagues for graduate transfers. Like sure. they kind of did last year. I mean, there's, they could go more. They could take some gambles. There were some guys this year that, that had expressed interest in transferring Notre Dame that Notre Dame just didn't think were fits they could have brought those guys in and tried to figure it out, right? I mean, that's the thing is they could. I think what what you're saying, Ryan, is they shouldn't. Am I reading you correctly? You're not saying that they can't. It's that they shouldn't. Notre Dame shouldn't be going to that level. And I think that's the key for Notre Dame is going to be being more targeted for where you're going. Because here's the thing. 
you're 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 gonna lose kids in the portal, yeah, and that's okay. It, I, I'm 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 okay because when you bring guys in, there's gonna naturally be an, a, 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 a departures sure. out, yeah. right? And that's just the nature of it. Uh, at some positions, not at others. And you're just going to have kids like like Logan Diggs who just decide they want to be closer to home or want something different. Lo- Lorenzo Styles is going to be in his feelings about whatever, and 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 you know some guys are going to get not treated well by a position coach and decide they want. I mean, just that's part of football everywhere. Right. And Notre Dame's not immune to that. And you're gonna and you're gonna have some guys that you kind of process out. Like, hey man, you know we love you and all that, and you can stay if you want, but you're not going to play for us. And some kids are going to stay. I mean, we've had kids that have chosen to stay. We've heard about kids that have chosen to stay. Others are going to choose to leave. And, and so, you know, when, when you, when you have that, you're going to have departures. What this means for Notre Dame is you now be strategic. I'd say four to eight is the, is the max where I would go when you talk about uh, position players is the max of where I would go as far as eight, I think there could be some years where you see that because a couple of those guys are going to be depth players, you know, that kind of thing. Four to eight to me is the magic sweet spot for Notre Dame. And if you can find guys that are like Antonio Carter's that have m- multiple years, that's fine if you're hurting in a position. Right. But you eventually want to get to the point where you are bringing in sort of that one and done type of guy to bridge the gap between that next level. But sometimes that get bridge needs to be kind of there for a couple of years because you, you may be really young in a position and you don't right. want to necessarily have to play those guys. But I think if Notre Dame's recruiting the high school level correctly, to your point, Ryan, then moving forward, the deeper we get into the Marcus Freeman era, the less those holes need to be, the, the less those bridges need to be built. And it's now just about this guy's just too good not for us to go get. Right. And or it's a depth player. And that's going to be part of what Notre Dame is going to do at times as well. So, I think those are all those are all aspects of it that I that I, I, I. Now, here's something else I've heard, Ryan. I have heard that Notre Dame's different programs are willing to work with the sports programs when it comes to working with them on transfers, non graduate transfers. So, I won't be shocked if in future years Notre Dame adds a couple undergraduate transfers. Compared to that's, we just haven't really good. seen that. Yeah. Now I would have. This is that's the intel. This is my opinion. I have a feeling it's going to come with some conditions of we're now relying on you to make sure that the person you're bringing in fits here. Right. Don't bring in some knucklehead that we accept and then he doesn't go to class and doesn't do things he needs to do because he's trying to go to the NFL. Right. Make sure that if we're going to work with you on this, that you're bringing in people that are going to do the work. And I think that now I won't say anything more than, than that, but I think that's something that they're going to be looking for is making sure that you're, you got to make some assurance, give us some assurances that you're going to be making sure that when these kids come here, they go to class. And, and, and that would be something that I would imagine is going to be part of the conversation. That's that part's my, the, the Intel that I've been told is they are going to work with the sports teams to a degree for undergrads my thought is based knowing Notre Dame like I do, I do think there's going to be some some conditions to that and some expectations that the football team is going to have to and the basketball teams are going to have to honor in order to get those kids in. Penn State just got an undergrad transfer or Notre Dame just got an undergrad transfer 
from Penn State for the basketball team. Basketball, yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, Penn State did six this year. Three last year, six this year. One of them is a special teamer. So far, so I was incorrect. I was looking at the 2022 class. Gotcha. The, the point being that they will work with them as long as there's a commitment to it. But that guy was a freshman. He was the center that Penn State had last year that, that Micah Shrewsbury uh, recruited. They can get those guys. They can get freshmen. And I've made this point before. Guys that aren't deep into their degrees, they can do that. I think you'll see that a little bit more at Notre Dame, maybe one of those guys, a couple of those guys every couple of years, because now as you get deeper into the Marcus Freeman era, there's going to be more kids that are at other schools that you had a relationship with that chose another school that may have some buyer's remorse sure. that want to come back after year one that you'd be willing to take. We saw that a little bit with like CJ Williams this year. So I think there's going to be some of that as well too, Ryan, where you can get those freshmen, but it's still going to be targeted. And that's going to be the key is if you can make it targeted and make it smart, that's the way to go. And that's what the top teams are doing. That's what Ohio state's doing. That's what Bama's doing. That's what Georgia's doing. That's what Michigan is doing. That's what Penn State is doing. Brian Kelly's not doing that at LSU. But in fairness, I don't think he had a choice, to be honest with you. He walked into a situation that he needed a culture. It it was a dumpster fire. I've said this. LSU fans getting their feelings about it when I say it. But then they justify the portal by saying, well, we only had 30-something. Well, that's kind of a freaking dumpster fire. You only have 30-some scholarship players remaining, wouldn't you say? He, If he didn't have, go to the portal last year for numbers, they can't Control field a team. team. Yeah. And and it, that's not fixed in one offseason. So when they went out and got 15 again this year, now the key is going to be what you see from LSU that I'm not sure we're seeing from USC to the same degree is LSU is still doing a lot of high school recruiting. Right. And then – Okay, they signed their recruiting class, got their commitments in December. Now let's go fill up on the portal where we have our needs. Yes. So I think what you're going to see from US LSU is next year, I think they're going to bring that down a little. I would I would expect that they're going to bring that number down a little bit. I'm curious if USC is going to do the same. Roger Dodgers in the chat saying they're going to do that, but we're not seeing them really load up on high school commits right now. You know, I mean they they're 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 targeting top players but numbers wise they're not they're not doing anything different in my opinion this year from a recruiting standpoint LSU right now in their high school class they have 15 kids committed Ryan that's only one that's only one less than Notre Dame yep. um then you look at USC let me let me go down here where where is USC let's go to average USC has 3 USC sitting here could you imagine the panic that would be setting in in Notre Dame fans if USC only had, or if Notre Dame only had three kids committed in their class. And it's about to be June. Yeah. <laughs> the utter like meltdown that would be happening amongst Notre Dame fans, rightfully so, if they only had three kids committed. Yeah. So you can't tell me that they're going to, they're putting more emphasis on high school recruiting when they've only got three commitments with summer recruit. You're telling me they're going to add. 20 kids between now and no, they're, they're going to go to the portal again. That's exact. They're going to bring in highly ranked kids. June's a big month for everybody. That was a, June's always a big month for everybody, yeah. but you don't go from three to 25 of high school <laughs> recruits when, Man. when you're sitting here in may, right. They're going to do what they did last year, 12 to 15 high school kids. And then the rest is going to be portal. I don't know if that's sustainable. Where if you look at LSU, they've already got 15 kids committed. They're trying to find, I think, that sweet spot 
It's just their roster was in a situation where they couldn't avoid the portal. Massive numbers in the portal for two years. They had to go there. And now we'll see if they can start getting back to a little bit more of a healthy, you know, five to eight type of thing moving forward. Because I still think the the pathway that we're seeing right now, Ryan, and and I also think we're seeing some of these teams that did go portal heavy paying the price in year two. Michigan State's an example. Teams that had a, a lot of portal guys come in, have success, and then they couldn't re- replicate that transfer portal success a year later. It's harder to keep a culture, build and sustain a culture, if you're constantly bringing in new guys into that who are – not there for necessarily the 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 long haul. They're yeah. older guys. That's that's to me a challenge. Where it's a lot easier to bring in five six guys that have to then buy into the culture as opposed to twenty five percent of your roster or or fifteen percent of your roster is new dudes. And really, it's more than that when you consider also the high school part of it. So if you're bringing in you know fifteen portal guys and fifteen high school guys. And Ryan, that's that's creeping up to. I mean, that's over thirty percent of your roster of new dudes. It's hard <laughs> to keep dudes, your culture. Yeah. It's hard to build and establish and maintain a culture that way. Yep. And you know, you can get away with it for a couple of years when you're a new coach, but eventually, eventually, you're going to have to start bringing in high school kids. And I think that's what the that's what the top programs are doing, Ryan. And and I, and I think that's going to continue. I mean, I think at the baseline too, Brian. Even on, on even aside from just generally building a program and a camaraderie and atmosphere is that the best teams don't have a ton of needs right Right. (laughs) like there's just not a lot of needs on the roster like georgia doesn't have a lot of needs you know why because they've built a roster they alabama has built a roster that's it they just but let's be honest if georgia wanted to go into the portal and upgrade yeah they could get 15 20 guys if they wanted to easily easily like Part everybody of, would want to go to Georgia. If they right. Could. Yeah. Right. Same with yeah. Bama, same with yeah. Ohio state. Yeah. So you, you could be more successful there if you wanted to, you could yes. raid those things and get those. Hey, this guy's a, would give us a big, you know, a, a somewhat upgrade, but you don't I think what you're to. looking for is big upgrades and depth is what you're yeah. saying. Ohio state had a need for a second corner this year. Yeah. They had to go get the Davidson out of the portal. In my opinion, that was an area where they had a, a problem. Notre Dame needed a quarterback in the portal this year. They needed secondary help. So there still are some areas where your needs, but your needs, the the smaller, the, the fewer amount of needs that you have, like Caleb Smith wasn't a need. He was a insurance policy. Well, fortunately, yeah. the younger kid stepped up this spring and had good springs and, and he basically kind of got beat out. And and so I think that's that's where Notre Dame needs to be, Ryan. I, I I think there's a lot of fans that want Notre Dame just to embrace the portal. And every time there's this new name in the portal, hey, Notre Dame should go after this guy. No, they're good there. They don't need another running back. Develop the kids that you have. They are embracing the portal. It's just that their thought process and perspective is different. They they saw what happened to USC last year, and that's your rival, and I think that's where people want to go. They want the next Caleb Williams. Well, you know who got the the, the next Caleb Williams this year? Nobody. And if you were going to say somebody did, it'd be Notre Dame because they got the best portal quarterback. You're not going to have – and here's the deal, folks. Caleb Williams is not in the portal unless his coach left. Did anyone actually think Caleb Williams was going to go anywhere other than USC? I mean, he took other visits or what? Guys, we always knew where he was going to go, and I have no problem with it. Why else be in Norman, Oklahoma, unless you're going to play football there? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what what else are you doing there? So, to me, 
that's kind of where I see it, Ryan, is is it's a healthy place for Notre Dame to be if they can continue to embrace the portal the way that they did this year and then also as an institution give them the flexibility to add a undergrad or two every year. I don't think Notre Dame is going to be in the habit of bringing in seven or eight guys with three, four years of eligibility left. I think it's going to mostly be the Sam Hartmans, the John, yeah. the Baptiste, the Carters, and the Harpers, one to two. But it'd be nice if you could have a couple, a, a guy or two a year if it's the right guy. I mean, you know who I pray is going to jump in the portal in December, right? I mean, you you know who it is. Freshman at another school that I'm really hoping decides he should have gone to Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, sure. sure. It's for Keeley. Yeah. A guy yeah. can dream, right? Can a yes. guy dream? Um, but some things like that. You always want to have room for guys like that. And, and, sure. and, um, but those need to be somewhat rare. Like one, two guys a year is really where it's going to be. Because if they can repeat this class every year, Ryan, from an impact standpoint, I'm fine. I'm 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 good with that. I really yeah. am. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I I really like this portal class for Notre Dame. I really I do. do. Too. Yeah, I think it feel I think it fills gaps and it fills the biggest needs on the roster. Which yeah. again, if Marcus Freeman is going to get Notre Dame to a consistent winner, and I'm talking about that sustainability. I don't think that Notre Dame is going to be a team that is going to just have max exoduses every single year because right. they're just running on one-year contracts, basically, right? Where you're just like, nope, time to reload. Like, no, Notre Dame is going to build through the freshman class consistently. Yeah. And I, that's how I want it to be because Notre Dame is one of those situations also where culture matters so much to Notre Dame, right? It's the it's the legacy. It's who's come before you. It's the four for 40. Like all that stuff matters so much to Notre Dame. And, you know, no disrespect to some other schools, but like some other schools don't have that type of, you know, long history and that long reach in the alumni base. And they just don't have that to the degree that Notre Dame has. So, yes, I don't want to bring in a bunch of one-year rentals of guys that don't have that same belief in the message, right? Like I want Notre Dame to be built off of, What's made it's Notre Dame. Like, why is everyone in this chat Notre Dame fans? Yes, it's the winning, it's national championships growing up, most likely, but it, it's also the fact of like Notre Dame's difference than a lot of other places. Like, that's a big thing. It's their difference. You're seeing that a lot less in younger fans. Like, yeah. there's a guy in our chat who just talking about, I want Urban Meyer to be the next guy. I would, I would sell my soul to Urban Meyer. I'm like, that's not the normal to me Notre Dame fan stance. Yeah. With people my age, but the younger you get, the more people – I don't think people understand that you can win the way that Notre Dame wants to win. You just have to have the right people in place. Sure. Right? You, you do need a special coach. You do need an Eric Parsegian. You do need a Lou Holtz. You do need that kind of guy to win. But you can do it that way. And the reality is you can bang your head against the wall and pray that Notre Dame is going to do this, this. Hey, let them bring in anybody with a pulse for you know academics. As long as they qualify in CAA, bring them in. You know, who cares if guys are out getting in trouble? Who cares if guys are doing this? Who, as long as they win. No, no, that's that's not how Notre Dame is going to be. And, and um, you know, I'm not selling my soul so that Notre Dame can win football games. And neither is Notre Dame, at least not in that regard. They, they might in other areas, Ryan, <laughs> you know what I mean, that uh, involve uh, money, but they're not going to do it when it comes to things like that, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And and I think that Marcus Freeman has found the sweet spot with the transfer portal this offseason. I really do. I just hope they don't have to keep going back to it for – and this is the danger zone, right? By bringing in Sam Hartman, which was 100% the right decision 
100%. You did have two, two quarterbacks transfer out. And now you're like, okay, do you need to go back there again next year? Right. And then it's like, okay, but then if you do that, and then let's say another guy or two transfers out, well, now you kind of get into that thing where at least at some point, hopefully you can get to where Ohio State is, where you're bringing in a transfer quarterback, but it's a guy that's, hey, bro, you're coming here to back up the younger guys and be an insurance policy. Right. You know what I mean? Which is much a much less likely to cause a transfer Healthier. than bringing in a Sam Hartman type of guy. Yep. And even though, again, it was 100% needed, 100% needed that, to get Sam Hartman. I have no issue with it. You just have to understand sometimes there's going to be those type of, I don't even want to say consequences because that makes it seem like a, it's a negative, but that's just, that's going to be the reaction is at yes. certain positions when you do that is somebody's going to leave. And you have to be able to embrace that and be prepared to recruit that on the trail. And I think you're also seeing this, the staff is getting a little bit more aggressive with numbers and recruiting. Now they're not going to get crazy and bring in 30 guys this year, but if they can get up to 25, I think you're going to see them more willing to lose, to do that now than, than it was maybe a month ago. Sure. In my opinion, it's just going to be a lot of fun. We do have some questions, not a lot of questions so far, a lot of good conversation going on today, but not a lot of questions. So if you have some questions, I think we have about 10 um, so far. So, you know, if you have some more, get those in, just put MB on there, leave us your question. But before we get there, Ryan, folks, I want you to ask, ask us to do us a favor, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. If you've not done so already, go to your podcast, favorite podcast platform, and if you're listening via podcast or if you even listen on YouTube, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to CFB Nation. For those of you that are lucky lefty fans, for those of you that like the CFB All-America shows, for those of you who are kind of hopefully looking forward to the, some of the shows that we're going to launch here this summer on CFB Nation, pretty soon the only way you're going to be able to find those is on the CFB Nation app. So if you're getting those shows now on the Irish Breakdown app, that's going to go away soon. So and I know that Sean talks about this on his show. So your only way you're going to be able to find it is on the CFB Nation app. We have some other things that we're going to do. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. So you're definitely going to want to check that out. So subscribe to CFB Nation on the podcast platform.